She's Nicole. And I'm Erica. And we're the co-conspirators of Women of Color Collaborative, where we're working, playing, and building our way toward healthier, safer, and more affirming spaces for women of color. This is Cool, Calm, Collaborative. My favorite ones always come in choreography, and it sucks because they can't see it, but then it doesn't suck because I get to see it. This is great. I like it. Okay. So this week we have a guest. Me. <laughs> Dewana. Oh, we didn't even ask. I'd ask Annie if we wanted to say her last name. We didn't ask you. You don't want your last name on the podcast. No. It's Miss okay. Dewana. Sure. If you're underage. If you're under 18. <laughs> um, so we're going to do a usual show with our favorite little girl. Who's a grown ass woman? She a grown ass woman. Yes, no more little girl. It's I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry. I, I feel like, because <laughs> we, we have this unique relationship with the water that we'll get into a little bit later. But I always try to catch myself because I'm used to bragging on her as a teenager and as a child. And so now that she's grown, I always, get to get, I always have to tell myself she's not those things anymore. She's like a grown, grown person. It's hard for me to see myself like that sometimes too, so it's okay. You don't want to get old like that? <laughs> we'll get into it. Okay, so we're going to start like we usually do, our check-in. What's your favorite thing this week, Erica? So I am actually wearing my favorite thing this week. So one of our amazing collaborators, Nikki, shout out to Nikki. Um, if you were a part of Walk Week, um, what was that? April? Sometime this spring. One of them months in quarantine, you know, the year of 2020. Um, <laughs> um, Nikki presented and she walked us through sort of art as a healing modality. And my favorite thing this week was I opened up my mail, which I rarely do. I was in a hurry, got a package, and it was from Nikki. Um, she had made some beautiful bangles for me and a bracelet um, and some of the wiring. I needed her to tighten up. So she mailed it back to me. And in true Nikki fashion, she blessed me with some additional adornments. And so I opened up the package expecting my bangles and my bracelet. And it was my bangles, my bracelet, um, another set of waist beads, and like two other pairs of earrings that I liked on her Instagram, Nikki be crafty y'all need to check her out um it'll be in the the show notes um and i literally opened up the package and i said damn this girl loved me like in that voice you know what i'm saying like i just felt it in my spirit like she really loved me that was absolutely my favorite thing this week week so shout out to nikki i love you girl nikki is great yeah did y'all hear that it's fine we're going to end up outside eventually. I just need some more juice. Anyway. <laughs> um, Nikki is... Has she been on the show? No. We just had her for um, Walk Week. We need I to have her the show. Has she, has she been on the show like we've done? A hundred of them. <laughs> it's only been seven. Run, run, run back the records. Let me see. What... <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, we Oh, we do. We her, should. Her laugh, like, makes my heart smile. So I, I need her on the show just so I can make her laugh so she could, she could giggle for all of us. 
Yeah, Nikki is one that joined us for our very first cohort. And, and you know, once you join our family, like, you just stuck with us. She's one that comes up, shows up for everything. She's um, just amazing. Dewana, what's your favorite thing to see? Um, so one thing that I can think of off the top of my head, my friend gave me her Disney Plus um, login this week, and that just kind of lifted my spirits because I don't know if y'all saw, but Hamilton is on Disney Plus now, and I was trying to see it when it was here. I don't know anything about Hamilton for real. I just know it's a Black-ass play, and I like plays. I like musicals, so I really want to see it, and I really tried when it was here, so I didn't get to see it, but this is another opportunity for me to look at it, so I'm glad that she gave me um, her Disney Plus information. I haven't looked at it yet, but I'm excited that I just have it, okay? And then, I mean, I had it before, like I had somebody else's information, but we kind of fell out and, you know, they pulled it away. And so now that I have it back, I'm just really excited. That's my favorite thing this week. That's so they can be changing your passwords when people, once you give it to them. Exactly. Like. That's not how you fall out. No. Unless you say, and bitch, I'm taking back my passwords. So remember that time when um, I dated the man? Okay, there. Okay, let me figure out a better way to put this. So <clears throat> there was a boyfriend, and then he wasn't anymore. But I was a part of his like Google family, and so I had all the access to all the things. Y'all, that email I got saying I was removed from Google family. <laughs> that really hurts your heart. Like disrespectful. Yeah, I mean, like, dang, was it that bad? <laughs> Just kick me out. I cheated. But um of all the things. But was it that bad? <laughs> Nicole, but did he die? But did he die? He didn't. He actually has a wife and a kid on the way now. See how that See? happens? I'm glad I moved up. I didn't I didn't drop my drink because <laughs> I forgot about that. I'm I forgot that he Girl, did you waste the drink? Oh yeah, oh girl, this is all that's left of my drink right now because I was like, he does have a wife and a kid. It's okay. Fine. It's okay. We're, totally fine. Want, we, we can wait for you to make another drink. No, We're no, 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 I'm good. Okay. Nicole, what was your favorite thing this week? This doesn't sound crazy, but it actually came to me today. TikTok has been my favorite thing this week. And this sounds ridiculous because I be posting TikToks on my Instagram all the time because I'm old. But today, when we were at camp, and one of the young ladies said, "Put it on, make them wanna marry me." I was like, "Oh my gosh, I love this so much." And I mean, she probably should be singing the song, but the fact that I was able to connect with her in that way made me real happy. TikTok, that, that, that sitting up for hours before I go to sleep watching TikTok is paying off. So, um, are we going to inform the listeners that the young lady you're referring to <laughs> is my little cousin? <laughs> it was great. I'm going to share a link to the TikTok that we are singing. I mean, I mean, I, I put a link to all the things in the show notes because the song itself is a Rashida song. Um, and she's on love. Put a smile on your face. It the song itself is so ridiculous that it's good. Like, cause she's of course she was rapping this about a husband who had been her husband for fifteen years, but then was also sleeping with strippers and eventually had a baby with a, like it's all layers of ridiculousness. And then 
you get on TikTok and you see, it's just, y'all will see. I, that's one, one bit of footage you'll get to see. The, the amount of joy that erupted in that program <laughs> today <laughs> between you and this child, <clears throat> right? There was a shared moment and then everybody in the room was just on the same page. And then we watched the video, the TikTok. Like we actually had to watch the TikTok, of course. And they all sang the song and danced and it, yeah, it was great. Yeah, I mean, TikTok out here uniting people. <laughs> it really is. We did a whole um, TikTok choreograph dance this summer um, for our girls and they loved it. So I think that keeps me young, even though I'm not old, but <laughs> TikTok oh makes me feel like I'm connected with my kids. So, Duana, speaking of connecting with your kids, tell us about your favorite memory from summer camp as a child or a tween or a teen. So I feel like I went to a lot of different programs or <laughs> summer camps as a child. My grandmother made sure that I was involved in stuff. I, I was never bored. Um, she was going to find something for me to do. But one memory that I can think of um, at Camp Wijiwagen, where is where is um, where I met Nicole, or she was my camp counselor. Um, but at Camp Wijiwagen, so one of the first things that you have to do is the swim test, and um, they don't really tell you much about the swim test before you actually take this test. Um, you just kind of see everybody lined up along the beach, and they're like, "Okay, we're about to get started with this swim test." And then you hear like a buzzer go off or like a whistle and then everybody just kind of takes off running into the lake. And so um, I thought I knew how to swim as a child. I uh, could float in the pool. I could doggy paddle. I could make my way around. And so I, I don't know, I guess I got a, um, a burst of encouragement just seeing everybody else <laughs> run in the water. And so I ran in the water too. And I... <laughs> thought I could swim out into the, like, you had to swim a pretty long distance to the dock um, in order to pass the swim test, and so I made it about, like, halfway, and it was just really over for me. Um, the lifeguards had to help me out of the lake. You could clearly tell who passed, because the people who passed would walk um, back from the dock, you know, and then the people who did not pass were, unfortunately, coming out of the water, and I was one of those kids, and so I don't know. It's it's it sounds kind of traumatizing, but it was really funny looking back on it because um, I just I don't know. I just was very excited to start camp and just to try something different and just jump out there, obviously. But they also um, encouraged us to take swim lessons at camp, and so the first session I took swim lessons and I was able to pass the swim text the the swim test the next go around, and so. That's just one of my favorite um, summer camp memories because it was goofy and it was funny, but I ended up learning how to swim. And so, yeah, I think that's one of my, my favorite memories. I really like Camp Wiggy Wagon. Oh, <clears throat> I don't remember that at all. Uh, because when you, first of all, I was 18 <clears throat> my first summer as a as princess at Camp Wiggy Wagon. And um, when the counselors come, because I believe we're there for like a whole week before the kids get there or whatever. When the counselors, when we get to the swim test, it's the same situation where you line up at the beach, except I said, I can't swim, so I'm not doing this. Flat out. It's like, I'm not, you won't, I'm not running in the nasty water. I can't swim. So I'll be over here. And then what they try to do is say, well, if, um, 
if a kid like gets lost or something, there's like this whole protocol for counselors. And I said, I will be at the pavilion with the kids who are not lost, so I don't need to do this. <laughs> like that was how I got out of doing it. And you know, I remember thinking, because part of being a summer camp counselor was you had to also have slide duty and you, the people who passed the swim test got a certain color band, the people who failed got a different one. And so you were only supposed to let the people with the certain color bands go down the big slide or whatever. I never paid attention, y'all. Never. Because I kept telling myself, if they can't swim, they're not coming to this slide. <sighs> not true. Absolutely not true. <laughs> and it's so crazy to hear Dewana say, I couldn't swim, but I decided I was going to do it anyway because for years, probably up until like right this moment, I was like, well, why would you go if you knew you couldn't swim? But, and I'm saying, I'm not just saying her session either. Like I had campers all summer go to that big slide when they did not have the right color band. And I just be like, but you, you were there when you failed. You haven't been taking the, like, why are you? I think y'all just made us feel safe some kind of way. And so we just wanted to try it, you know, y'all were there around. <laughs> uh-uh. Oh, poor kids. So I'm really glad that we made you feel safe. But again, if I, I was 18 and the rest of your counselors were very close in age to me. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're dealing with 21 year olds and younger. And then like the, the main camp director or whatever might've been my age now. So when you think about the staff at, the, at Camp Widgie, they're all, we're all young. So the fact that a, a really young staff could make y'all feel safe, I guess I did what I was supposed to do. But You did good, princess. Girl, I'm just glad I didn't lose nobody because I wasn't looking for you. <laughs> princess, what was your favorite camp memory? Oh, when I was a kid, my mother sent me to Girl Scout camp. Don't ask me why, because I was not a Girl Scout. But somehow I ended up at Girl Scout camp and like, what's the question? Um, So somehow I ended up at Girl Scout camp. um, And and this is like sleepaway camp. She sent me away for a week. And our, similar to the girls in our program, our goal was to make a movie. So back in those days, we didn't have little phones. Like I was actually carrying around a big old camcorder with a with a you know VCR tape inside all around camp for a week. And I did this one shot where I caught the person walking into a building, and then I cut, and then I walked into the building, and I caught them come again. So it was like one continuous shot, and I was like nine, y'all. I was so proud of this. And I remember at the end, and and the the theme was like. Alice in Wonderland kind of crazy but we were modernized it was weird I don't know what the purpose of it was but I do know on the last night when I was watching that video I was like that shot right there I did that that's mine and I've been doing shit like that ever since that is such a Nicole memory it's like what makes you proud I'm sitting here thinking that is so my friend that is exactly <laughs> who she is that at nine years old that is what you would be proud of it was perfect too, because of course we were not using Premiere Pro and all that stuff to cut these videos together. It was literally, I filmed my part and then I walked somewhere else and we filmed it again. So it was, it was a good little thing. What about you, Erica? So you mentioned Girl Scout and then I went, ooh, because I forgot I was a Girl Scout. Um, only because my auntie, y'all, come on, let's be real. Let's be real. Okay, my auntie was the Girl Scout leader. <clears throat> my family did not go to church, but my one auntie did, and she was also the Girl Scout leader, and I knew they had food, 
And so if I went to the Girl Scout meetings, then I got to eat at the church. And they always used to have the best roles. And I was the fattest fat kid ever when I was little. Okay, so no, seriously, I did forget that I was a Girl Scout a little bit because my motivation <laughs> was a little skewed. But I got to go to space camp. Um, right. So I guess this is the story I need to tell. So um, we, Girl Scout troop, inner city Detroit, at somebody's church in the basement, all the things. And there was a lady there one day and I remember like she was not one of our group leaders nor the church leaders but I know who she was and so because I am who I am I asked her who she was and she said she was from like the regional office of Girl Scouts and she was just coming to do a site visit yada 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 long story short she nominated me for an award um because she said I was super involved and like helping the other girls I Number one, I think I'm in charge of everything, and I've always thought I was in charge of everything, so I think that's what she saw, and I'm, I'm glad it worked in my favor, but um, I was selected <clears throat> to go to space camp in, where is it, Huntsville, Alabama, um, with a group of maybe like 20, 25 other middle school and high school girls, um, well, mainly middle school girls, and from Detroit, y'all, that was my first bus trip. We had a bus that broke down twice um, from Detroit to Huntsville, Detroit, Michigan, to Huntsville, Alabama. This was also my first time being away at camp. Um, I think I talked to every relative in my family long distance because that's just what I needed to have happen in my life for me to be okay. Um, this was also the most white people I had ever seen in my life. Um, who were staffing this camp, working this camp, the other campers at this camp. Again, my entire world, if you listen to the last podcast, was Black, 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 Black. And so, yeah, I'm, when you mentioned Girl Scouts, I was like, there actually was a summer camp experience. Um, I've always been a complete science nerd. And so space camp was right up my alley while other girls were there because they just wanted to get away or their mamas made them go. I was genuinely intrigued. Like I had a a, a telescope as a child, like, I'm, I'm that kind of nerd. Um, when Dewana mentioned Disney Plus, girl, National Geographic has been that thing. For me on Disney Plus, I ain't seen nothing else Disney. I ain't even made it to the Disney side of the world yet. I watched The Great Migrations for five episodes the other night, and it was the most beautiful thing in the world. Also, fun fact, the being on the path of a great migration is one of the things on my bucket list. So, you know. If anybody wants to go somewhere on the path of a great migration, I can check that off my list. That's it. No, you might be adding to watch programs right now. They put y'all on a bus from Detroit to Huntsville. Like it was, it was just terrible. Um, I will say it was probably. It was probably my first, if I'm thinking about who Walk is, that was the first time I experienced like just a group of black girls that came from different walks of life. Because think about it, we didn't go to the same school. We didn't go to the same church. We didn't live in the same neighborhood. There was nothing about us that was the same except for you came from a Girl Scout troop and you came from a Girl Scout troop. And they put us all on a bus together. I learned a lot. I oh, yeah, my, my Girl Scout camp was like 30 minutes away from home, <laughs> but it felt really far. I mean, maybe it was a little farther than that. I know that 
we had to go past San Quentin Prison. And San Quentin is about 30 minutes away from home. So, I don't know. So, can we talk about how dope it is to work for little black girls? It is. the. I feel like working with young black girls, it, it's just like regular life to me. I don't know. It doesn't feel like a job. It just feels like I'm talking to my homegirls. <laughs> my little homegirls. I don't know. It just feels like something that's not a job. So, our listeners, by now, I guess we have already said that we work with you as a child and a teen. Um, what made you, did we not look tired to you? Like, what made you decide you wanted to work with kids, too? You know, it was really crazy. I, when I was younger, I always used to say I wanted to be a teacher. Um, I'm kind of similar to Erica, where I just kind of um, tend to take over situations or... Um, and for like a better word, it's kind of bossy as other people would describe me. Um, so as a child, I just like directing people or like genuinely helping people um, figure things out. And so I don't know, just watching y'all or like they, they're teachers, but they're not in my classroom. Um, they're not, um, I don't know, y'all, y'all taught me different lessons or I just picked up different things from y'all that I didn't get inside of the classroom and so I just wanted to be that for somebody else y'all look like me y'all weren't that much older than me and I knew that I don't know if I'd use that to my advantage or not but <laughs> y'all weren't that much older than me so I was like I don't know there there it was more so like um uh, I feel like it's what a true mentor looks like I don't know when you think of a mentor sometimes I feel like people get a picture that is somebody older who is so established and things like that but when you think about a real mentor somebody who's really guiding you or teaching you um, I don't know, it was just more, y'all were more relatable, and I feel like more real life teachers, and I wanted to um, do that for somebody else, and it was, it looked easy, too, y'all were just <laughs> easy to talk to, y'all were like, I don't not necessarily, it wasn't easy, because I mean, working with kids is not by far the easiest thing I have ever done, but um, I, I don't know, it just felt more, it wasn't forced, it was more natural, it was easy in that way just to connect. And I wanted to do that with people. I always just wanted to help people or teach people. And I saw this as an opportunity to do that in a different way. So yeah, that's a long drawn out answer, but that's, that was nice. So Dewana, correct me if I'm wrong, but your first time on a plane was with me, right? To yeah, I was gonna say that too. When y'all started talking, like my very first time getting on a plane was with Erica and my brother. We were going um, to DC. I don't think we were there necessarily to visit Howard. Um, I don't know why we were there, honestly. But I remember the my favorite part of the trip was that we we didn't even get to like tour Howard. We didn't get to like go to the bookstore. We didn't do any of that. But I knew about the school and I knew what it was and I knew it was in DC. And Erica made sure that we at least walked by or like saw where it was, saw the campus, got the feel. And I I. Like I said, I don't even remember why we were in D.C., but I remember that being um, a big moment for me. And I actually planned to go to Howard up until like August of the summer before college. Um, so, yeah, that was just a big moment for me back in the day. <laughs> and I, I don't know. That was a that was my first time on a plane. I didn't know what to expect. We didn't know how to pack. Talking to my granny 
of course she was very dramatic she's old school and don't know nothing or didn't know she knows stuff okay let me not grandma i'm not saying that but she didn't know like all the proper pro- protocols to get on the plane these days and so it was it was just good having erica to ask little silly questions that i feel like i might not have been comfortable asking other people or like she knew that I might need my edge control or like how I might need to pack that. Or I don't know, just different lessons that you pick up on that are really valuable now that I'm, you know, older and doing things on my own. I know how to navigate a lot of different spaces because of y'all. So thank you. <laughs> if you've never heard me say thank you, I don't know if I say that, Erica Nicole. Yeah, it's on your podcast. Girl, huh? It is on the podcast. <laughs> it is. It's recorded, but I feel like I've, I've heard you say it. So, because she also, Dewana also did our cohort. <laughs> so, I'm sure we spent the first session talking about the same stuff. So, mm-hmm. you're welcome. The, um, you know, when you, when I think about <clears throat> working with young Black girls, like Dewana's comment about, like, it's not work comes to mind. I mean, even to, even today. So I used the example. I was like, so I think we talked about this on Thursday. So the way our program is designed right now, we are all together on Mondays. And then um, there's small groups on Tuesdays through Friday because of COVID, we have to do social distancing, etc. Well, the Miss Erica they get on Monday is a very different Miss Erica they get on Thursday, right? Because the Miss Erica they get on Monday, trying to get all the things in order for the week, like trying to move and shape. And it took for the one girl who don't say nothing to co-sign before I even was like, my Thursday group, get a different Miss Erica. Yup. Like she jumped in so quick. <laughs> like I couldn't even be offended because I was like, but she's right. <clears throat> she's absolutely right. Um, but <laughs> in those moments where I'm like, why, you know, why do I do this work? It's because of those moments. I remember going to D.C. Y'all, it was cold. Oh, my God. Dewana was wild. Like, it was cold. It was cold, cold. Especially taking these little black kids from the South to D.C. in the winter. By the way, for our listeners, we were actually there to visit our legislator. Like, Dewana and her brother actually presented on behalf of a bill that needed to be renewed. We prepped. They did a great job. Um, the, the representative even pulled me to the side and asked if we've ever thought about lobbying officially. I mean, she did an amazing job, although she don't remember why we was in DC. I see, that's the reason that I work with kids and, and young people, because they get the same Miss Nicole all week, because I only care about the edge control type stuff. <laughs> like, so, Dewana, when she says that she remembers what to pack now, and, and what she remembers is that she saw this lit ass HBCU, all of those things. She don't remember the reason she was there, but the stuff that she remembers is stuff that she does today. Like that's, that's what does it for me. And that's what I was getting to, which was we were there for a reason. But when I asked Dewana, like, what is it that you want to do here? And she said, I want to see the HBCU. Like, I want to see Howard. And I remember even before we navigated over there, I was like, okay, look, sis, I think they're going to be closed. I don't think we're going to be able to get in the bookstore. Are you going to be okay if we literally get off the train and you see a sign that says Howard University and we can take a picture? And she was like, yes, Miss Erica. And I was like, then let's roll. Like, then that's what's going to happen. Because um, in my personal life, what I tell my village babies is TT Erica pays for experiences, not things. And so what that translates to me in all ways of my life is I am always going to extend myself for an experience of a young person or really for any woman of color. I'm going to make sure that they have 
or at least are best positioned to have an experience that they would never have otherwise in case this opportunity never presents itself again, that this is what I'm going to, I am willing to do in order for it to happen. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's for real though. Like I, I think that's the most impact. And I, I, now that I'm thinking about this, and I think I made this comment when you were talking about success stories the other day. We had a site visit or whatever. It's like when I think about all nonprofits want you to have success stories when you work with youth, especially if you're working with youth in underserved populations. So it was, it was always hard for me to have success stories because most of the conversations I was having about college weren't about college at all. You know, I would walk into a classroom and talk about the prom or my nails or you know, the Drake concert or something else that was like more important at the time than college itself. And eventually with every student I've ever worked with, we talked about college. And so to me, that's enough. All of the kids that grew into adults, because some of them didn't get to, you know, they did what they did. They made their choices. And, and they're all success stories to me, I think, because the connections I made were deeper than the stories I could tell to make funders happy. And I think that's another thing that I pulled from y'all. I don't know. I, just success can look different. It's not about, um, just in my work now, I currently work for a nonprofit working with um, young girls. And I see how they want the numbers or they want the participants or they want um, a certain amount of girls to go off to college. This year I had a certain group and I was supposed to get all 15 of them to go to a four year college or university. And I'm just like, that's not realistic or that's not what success necessarily looks like for everybody. So just me being able to um, just help them reframe what that looks like for them, I think is really important. Or just having somebody telling them that um, their success story or their idea of what success is doesn't necessarily have to be um, what everybody else is putting on them. And I think that is a, a, a big thing that I pull from y'all or a, a big reason why I do the work that I do. Um, just because it, it, it looks different. And then we feel a lot of pressure um, for our success stories to look a certain way. Or if you come from this, you're supposed to turn into this. And um, just on my path, personally, it doesn't look like that. And so just sharing my story or being able to connect with girls who might be in similar situations or black girls who just look like me and can feel me, I think is really important. And I enjoy working with young girls. It's, I think, one of the most rewarding things that you can do. <laughs> Dewana, why do you think it's so hard for people to, um, I, so I do think those of us, <clears throat> excuse me, those of us who early on knew or chose a path of working, whether you were a camp counselor in high school. Um, my very first job was volunteer at the Children's Museum. Like I learned to teach kids, right? Um, but for those people who didn't necessarily, that wasn't the way they were naturally inclined. Uh, what are, what do you think some of the biggest barriers and sort of myths that exist with working with young people? Um, I feel like sometimes people, think um, or necessarily don't know how to share their talents or their gifts with young people. It doesn't necessarily have to look like you're working directly one-on-one -on -one with somebody to mentor them, but it's just finding a way that um, you can share your story to give back to them. You never know like what you say, what, what you could say, how that could inspire somebody. You don't know how you showing your talents, what that can do for a child. So just, I feel like a lot of times as adults, we um, 
are reserved or like to present ourselves a certain way to children. And if we're just more authentic and more honest in about who we are or like our past and our journeys, I think that's a way that more adults can connect with children in, in a more genuine way. They're not looking for um, the person who can give them all the answers. It's more about just somebody who can accompany them on the journey or just show them different things. So like you said, it's about the experience. And so we all experience life in different ways and we all have different journeys and paths. And I think um, there's value in sharing that with kids or just showing that with kids. So, I mean, if you're not a teacher, if you can't sit down and show them how to work out a problem, if you can't sit down and help them um, figure out how to budget, there are still ways that you can um, get involved with working with kids, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, it, it does. Um, my family has fostered, I, I know both of you all know this, but my... Miko's turn. My family has fostered since I left for college. Um, and along the way, I've had different relationships with different sets of, you know, children and what has remained consistent, no matter what race they were, because we have had children who were non, you know, we've had white kids, we've had Mexican children, we have biracial kids, like, you know, ultimately when the state's trying to place, they're trying to place. And we, the thing that has remained true in every single situation is just like, finding a way to relate to them, you know, just having a conversation, just coloring with the kid. Like, yes, they may grow up in a complete different situation than anything that we know um, and still look like us. But the reality is, you know, the differences are still there and they don't care as long as you show yourself to be a caring adult, you know, like trauma doesn't present itself um, in a way where they're going to immediately reject just somebody trying to color with them. And so I feel like sometimes we think we have to do this grand gesture, sitting down and watching the cartoon show that they're watching and asking them a question about, you know, whatever character they seem to be excited about is a really easy entry point for kids. Um, and then you go all the way up to the teen level, like asking questions. Um, having a true spirit of curiosity. I want to know the dance on TikTok. That's, I mean, I'm going to do it with you, but show me what you over there singing and dancing to. Like, just, ha you know, finding a way to be interested in things that, that they're interested in. And I feel like what I often hear from adults as an ex excuse is they don't know how to relate. And it's, it's building relationships the same way you would build a relationship with anybody else. Find a point of reference and, like, enter with a spirit of curiosity. That's... Um... That's really the key. And I remember back when we ran Oasis, I did like a lunch and learn or something at, at Nissan. And one of the executives said, well, um, I was wondering if you could give me tips on how to connect with my stepdaughter. You know, she's really into video games. I said, are you into video games? And she said, no. I said, well, why don't you sit next to her and let her teach you about her video games? Flat out, just ask her questions about what she likes and she'll start liking you back. But really, I think it comes down to, I mean, everything comes down to the cycle of socialization, but we are taught and it's reinforced that adults are separate from us when we're young. And then at some point we become the adults. And so now the kids are separate from us because we're grown. And I've been thinking about that since I started working with teens and, and youth. It's like, wh at what point does that happen? Like, where's the line that you, where you go from youth to adults? And there's really no answer to that. I think I spent a lot of time, I, maybe I started young enough to where it didn't really, there wasn't really a hard line between me and the, the youth I was working with because like Dewana said, I was close to their age anyway. But 
it's really unlearning a lot of what we were taught about what adults do is, is a lot of the work when you're working with young people. And so a lot, and a lot of times we have to teach or help parents unlearn things that they know about adults as we work with their young person. So that's, I agree. You know, I, I think about the type of adult I was when I was, you know, running a youth program that Duana was in as a teenager um, and the type of adult I am now. And I don't think there's the, the I don't think there's any difference um, except for I am much more sure and certain and confident in who I am now. Right. And I think a lot of who they saw the Miss Erica at 24, 25 was very sure and confident of herself as a 24, 25 year old, you know, as, as as short as you can be of yourself at that age. But ultimately what mattered for me was I knew I was legally responsible for them. I knew that again, legally, I was the adult in a space and that their parents or guardians had entrusted me with their, their precious children, you know, and especially when you're talking about in the black community, let's be real. Miss Savannah has some words for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't, don't get it twisted. Like, I, I, I got that tongue lashing um, because I shouldn't be sending no messages through Dwight and Juana. And you're right. I should not be sending no messages through them, Miss Savannah. I should absolutely be telling you directly. And so, you know, but that level of accountability was something that I'm, I'm going to be honest. I felt in a different way than I think my non-Black or even nine people of color, because we had some, you know, other folks at the Oasis Center specifically. I think we felt a very specific type of accountability and responsibility to our kids. And we, and I use our kids in a way, and it took for one of my mentors, right, Ms. Kawama, to share it from a place of like, this is not belittling them and putting them underneath like it's actually a term of endearment from they are mine and that I feel connected in them to them <clears throat> that I'm also responsible to them in a certain way I feel like the way I felt responsible for and to my kids look very different than some of my white peers I'm going to be honest and I know I carry that in a very different way because I knew a Miss Savannah would call and, ca and call me out. You know what I'm saying? Like that is sort of the premise of how we exist in community. And I felt that extended beyond just a paycheck or a title. Two yes, things come to mind as you say that um, there are lots of conversations at Oasis about not calling kids kids. <laughs> and I like, if I've never been able to break myself of that because of what you're talking about like they are my kids like there's no, no shame in being one of my kids so that that comes to mind first the main thing that comes to mind when you say that though is one of my white counterparts at Oasis in a staff meeting was saying I'm having trouble connecting and I just wanted to know like how do you get kids back how do you get them to come back to your office and I was like I don't have that problem you know because at the time I was working in the high school I graduated from and there were, you know, some of the counselors that were there when I was in high school were still there. So like, if there was no, with people vouching for me and my personality and the way I feel about those kids as my own kids, even the kids I didn't really enjoy being around, I couldn't get them to leave my office. I couldn't get them to stop wanting to come talk to me about college or want to come sit in the College Connection office. And so this concept of 
you know, the ones that get away just wasn't a thing for me. And so when I was telling them, like, I literally have a caseload of 400 students because I've been to every grade level. And they were saying, well, I've only talked to 100 seniors and I am having trouble getting them to come back. It's like, I don't know what to tell you. Because at 25, I didn't have the wisdom to say that exactly what you just said. Like, I'm connecting to them on, on a different level. Um, but I wish I had. Maybe they would have paid me more. I'm saying y'all are giving me a lot of good um, verbiage to use. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. To myself up, okay? But I, I, one thing that you were talking about with accountability is just, I feel like they trust us more. I don't know, when, you, when they're able to relate to you, like you said, my grandmother was able to trust you because she knew if she got in you, Erica, that you were going to fix it or you're going to correct it because you cared enough to do that. And I think I carried that responsibility on me as well because, I mean, I know y'all know it extends um, beyond work hours. I find myself pulling up at people's houses. My kids text me jokes 24-7 or call me and FaceTime me, but I think it's just because that trust is just built up within our community, or they see somebody that looks like them, they feel that we're genuine, um, and and they trust us to to figure out some stuff, to help us, to help them through some stuff, so I feel like that has a lot to do with it as well. Which is why they need to pay us for the work we do. And by pay us, I don't mean like, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not interested in a black girl, right? Like needing to pay somebody to be her mentor. What I'm saying is that some of the reasons why we need such amazing mentors in this space is because of how systematized, right, our oppression has been. And the reality is these girls do not see role models. They do not see their themselves reflected um, on media. They do not see, which is some of the topics that our girls are exploring this summer. Um, they do not have a pipeline, right, to be able to see themselves in places of influence. And so when we say play, pay Black women, it is to compensate for the time and energy and capacity that it put that we need to put in to make up for the bullshit ass system that we have that we are living and breathing right now. Um, so, Dewana, we know that you have to run because as a part of your self care practice, girl, you about to get this workout in. And so, we are super proud of you. I'm gonna try to do the same in a minute. So as our closing question for you, and then Nicole and I get to um, talk about some of the beautiful things of our summer program, um, what would you tell your 15 or 16-year-old self? I feel like um, I'm still at the age where I'm unqualified to give myself advice <laughs> at 15 or 16. But the one thing that I would say is, I don't know. I think at, at 15 or 16, I was a little more shy and reserved than I am right now. I feel like, I don't know, that that comes with growing up or finding yourself, whatever. But I feel like I would tell myself at 15 or 16, just try it, just do it. You never know what could happen. I feel like I, I was very hesitant to do a lot of different things um, or I just stopped myself. And so, I, I don't know, I would just tell myself to do it, try it. I really don't have any deep advice because like I said, I'm a struggling 25 year old trying to figure it out y'all. But that's the best advice I can come up with for my 15, 16 year old self. <laughs> the thing is that um, you say you're still figuring out, but the fact that you work with youth, the fact that you work with young girls, you are telling your 15, 16 year old self something every day. Every time you're working with a teenage girl, you are telling 
and that's the scary part too sometimes y'all i'm like wow i'm the one out here talking to and i to hear y'all say that now it just gives me um it just makes me feel more com- uh, comforted a little bit <laughs> because i'm like whoo y'all out here looking at miss dewana as as your person and that's kind of scary that i feel like that's a big responsibility but i also love it i love that they want to talk to me and connect with me and i try to give the best advice that I can to them through what y'all have taught me through what I have experienced and so it's fun um I hope I'm giving them great advice I feel like I am they're they're going to school they're doing good things um they're accomplishing their goals that they set for themselves so to me that's success and that's an accomplishment and so I'm giving myself a pat on the back for right now (laughs) well girl we're giving you one too yes girl high five and wanna just for you know shits and giggles what i would tell 15 60 year old duana because i knew her um would be to trust yourself you have always had this amazing ability to do it but oh my gosh behind that doing it oh like petrified like meltdown like breakdown but girl you're gonna get it together and do it and so what i would tell 15 16 year old duana is to trust yourself girl you can alleviate so much of that anxiety and that angst that you are causing yourself it's gonna be enough for you to worry about but that part nah you got it you good Mm, I like that too for 25 year old Duana. <laughs> but no, I love that. And I love y'all. I'm so glad that y'all are still around. That's so funny. I hope everybody has somebody like this in their lifetimes <laughs> that they can just see full circle. I don't know. Or see grow up and still be connected with. But I love you guys. Um, I love the work that y'all are doing. I love celebrating y'all. I brag to my friends about y'all. So. On that note, we're gonna take a quick break and get into this real summer again. So as you know, WALK is all about amplifying the visibility and voices of those members of our network that make this work worth doing. That's right. This week, our show is unofficially brought to you by our social justice fellows and youth cohort members. So, (laughs) by now, you should have noticed this theme. We're talking about summer camp. We're talking about Black girls. We are fortunate to be running. This is the third year of the time program. Is that right? Oh, this is like the, um, this is the third year of the time program in relation to Opportunity Now, the city's initiative. But um, Melissa, shout out to Melissa. Mel, hey girl, hey. Do I remember cohort grad? Boom, boom. So Mel and I actually met during work at the Oasis Center. So that is the youth service organization that we were just referring to earlier in the podcast. Um, She was working as a community organizer with the Neighborhood Resource Center here in the city. My group of teen interns, including Dewana, um, were responsible for organizing other youth local to their community center um, and engaging them in some sort of youth-driven service initiatives. So they were essentially youth community organizers. And so Melissa and I paired and partnered for the program in her neighborhood under her jurisdiction with the Neighborhood Resource Center and literally every summer since. So that would have been 2010, I believe. Every summer since we have had some iteration of a summer program together. So when we talk about (laughs) autonomy, 
um, independently owning this body of work that is the summer program like that's that's where we live right now and if you've been listening to every one of our episodes you know that there's like a pain point when you get to talking about nonprofits. Um, and our, our work in the way that our work is, um, I don't want to say used, but the way that our expertise is used to make organizations look good, but not hold us up to any kind of esteem or any kind of, they, they call us experts, but don't treat us like experts, right? So all of the things that come along with that, like for us to be in this position now, to have full autonomy over this property you know this is intellectual property that that erica and melissa started and that we've incorporated walk into now um that's amazing it feels amazing to get to do um especially at, at you know 35 instead of 25 it feels amazing to do um but we also it, we we have you know an amazing group of girls too they they're amazing and I, I think we first mentioned and explored this trifecta on one of the earlier podcasts when I was reflecting on you know something my favorite thing or whatnot and since then it's been a point of I think reflection but admiration you know for both of us to really sit back and go like damn yes like 10 years later yes I am writing the curriculum that I want to write completely independent of what someone thinks needs to be included or not. I am able to pay young people. We just ended, you know, our segment with Dewana talking about that is why you need to pay back women. And as much as I can go through the, the ways in which our labor has been exploited, young black girls, the same thing is, is happening for them, right? Mm -hmm. um, the expectation is for them to get a job because they need to not only be able to support themselves, but also support family members. You know, um, some of our girls talk about when we did, we, we take time to explore their personal ecology and think about the way they are uniquely wired and how that is showing up as an asset or a detriment to them. And to have, I think on that call that particular day, um, I had seven girls. Of the seven, I think four of them mentioned that by mapping their time, right, as a part of that particular module, they realized how much of their time and energy goes to other people and how much little of them they are investing in themselves. Nicole, if, I, if somebody would have had that conversation with me at 15, do you know how different my life would be? Yes. <laughs> if somebody at 15 would have said, Erica, do you see how much time and energy you are putting in these things? And for me to be able to comprehend, right, process, and then create an action plan for how I'm going to choose to invest more in the areas of my life that I want to at 15? Oh, my gosh. Y'all think I'm Today, world now? Girl, I'm ruling the whole galaxy, yo. Like, <sighs> Today, to speak, talking about things that we would tell our younger selves, today I gave one of our young people, the advice I wish I heard when I was deciding which college to go to. Um, one, she is going to college, but she had, she's deciding between Berea and MTSU, and she was saying, well, all of my sisters went to MTSU, and you know, Berea's giving me all this money. And when I was going to college, it was everybody I know is going to TSU, and I want to go back to California, you know? So it, it, I'm weighing the same thing, and I, I was able to tell her, um, not only to tell her you need to think about your college because you are a whole person 
And so you want to make sure your experience is good to your whole person. So academically, you know, there's also somebody to do your hair or you're close enough to get your hair done if you want it. Like your, your whole person is happy at college. Um, I wish that somebody said that to me as opposed to we can't maintain you in California, you know. And that's not a knock at, you know, the adults in my life. They just didn't know to say, like, you have to make these decisions based on your like you're saying where you want to spend your time so this experience of um and and this is obviously not the first time I facilitated a summer program this is not my first time doing one where I've written the curriculum either but it's certainly the first one that I've owned from start to finish that was an economic opportunity for my participants and myself like that's not something that has happened before so it's been great I appreciate when Duana talked about <clears throat> um, modeling, you know, and I think about what modeling looked like for me at 25. I, I don't know. I think it was just me being honest. You know, I remember, um, oh, there, let me not name drop. There was a program at Oasis that brought together girls in one space, guys in another space, but typically to think about college and she held a panel and it was just for for boys for for youth of color and she asked me to sit on the panel and I know why she asked me to sit on the panel but I think what she wasn't expecting was the way I engaged on that panel right which was to be very clear with individuals that we don't have the right conversation in our community around the economics of college and Although I can say great things about my, my college experience and my graduate school experience as a little black girl, right? As a black teenager, my family was not equipped to have the conversation about money and about finances. What was presented to me was college is good debt, right? Credit cards is a bad debt, but college is good debt. That was all that was presented. And what I remember at 25, because I was feeling it at 25, when you're making $32,000 a year, right? And you have X number of dollars in college loans and debt that you have to pay back and you're trying to pay rent and you're trying to pay a car note, that 32 don't stretch y'all. It doesn't. And so I was living my choices in a very real way that I knew we could not afford to not have the right conversations with our young people. And so when I think about what is living my truth at 25 look like it was being honest about those economics and so when when Duana talks about modeling for me that was modeling at 25 let me tell you what it's like to be able to make this choice I had a choice what school to go to I had a choice what graduate school to go to and then I had a choice what job to accept but all of these things were intertwined right and I have to pay this money back and so that also limits then my options around job and, and security. And so when I fast forward and think about today, and even very, very specifically our day-to-day -day at camp, and I think about the ways I get to show up and model, I get to stand in a room with young Black girls and have them choose language to put on a shirt that I'm going to order from a Black-owned business that's in my family, right? That I have a car that I can order the materials today to get sent and delivered tomorrow to encourage and have them list all these amazing words about my black is and for them to mean it and for us to laugh and joke and pull up a TikTok, you know, in response to 
And then for me to think about all the ways in which I can also spend these other parts of our budget to make sure they're fed healthy, organic food and to make sure that the other black women who get to be in front of them are paid for the rest of this year. And it's an experience that the girls will never forget. That to me is like, I don't know what else I can ask for. And what I know to be true is that this would not exist within the, the nonprofit industrial complex without the autonomy of our dollars and our time. I'm gonna read some of these words because they're, I might read all these words actually. So when we talk about our girls coming up with words and, and enjoying doing it too. So it's not like we were just like coming with the best words you can think of. We told them this is my black is this. And our girl said, unashamed, independent, powerful, magical, like 15 exclamation points, unapologetic, intelligent, breathtaking, glowing, unique, savage, magnificent, everlasting, cool, undefeated. That's what it feels like to work with black girls. All of that. I'm glad it's me. I'm so glad I was chosen. I'm so glad I was chosen. Like of all the things and when Y'all, life, life has been shitty, you know, like life has been really hard. And even getting to the point of figuring out this summer program was hard. This was a different type of mental lift. When you have to plan for um, emergency preparedness on top of risk management, on top of, you know, people management, and then you throw a pandemic on top of that. Mm -hmm. And like, we have to do this all in like eight days yeah it was it was nothing will happen nothing will happen nothing will happen oh yes we have the funding ready set go eight yeah. days period like and then after we scrambled to get everything together they're like i'm just kidding here's seven more days <laughs> <laughs> we gotta give you another week just just for just for shit because we not ready yeah, turns out you can't get this shit together in eight days <laughs> but we did they but we did <laughs> we weren't ready because we're magical <laughs> Um, you know, it, that is all, that is already difficult. It's already hard. Um, but when you do it with, with like, how they're just magical, man. Like they, they understand. And they're also, you know, when we see the news and we watch, um, I finally watched Dave Chappelle's latest piece. I hadn't seen his piece. His his okay. latest. I finally watched it yesterday, and it was. I'm I'm glad I finally did. Um, but he talks about a lot. Hmm? Is that good or bad? No, it was good. I think you should watch it. I would love to talk about it. On the podcast. You know, I don't. We can't. Like the only reason is because it's on YouTube. And you know, I never think to go to YouTube for content, but I'm I want to. <laughs> it was. Uh, I actually think it would be a really good reflection piece for the girls, which brings me back around to, you know, his point. He starts off by giving credit to young people. He's like, y'all are out there, y'all are doing it. And he's like, and I happily take the back seat. And I think that's what I thought of today, you know, in the summer program is I will happily take the back seat to them. I will happily take a back seat to their leadership. You know, um, I, one of the reasons I was drawn to Dewana as her program coordinator is because she reminds me a lot of myself. She was very ambitious, very direct, very open, had no problem snatching something from you if she felt like you was fucking it up. Mm -hmm. Speaks Erica, right? And at the same time, it is such a beautiful place to be in when you can say, and I'm good to take a back seat. 
I, I trust our community's future, you know, with you, not just that you are amazing, but I know that you know that that, you know, that magic is, is to be used for our people, not just for yourself. So let me ask you this. <laughs> Did you have an Erica or Nicole when you were growing up? That's a really good question. I was thinking about this when Dewana was talking because she was like, I hope every, I think she said something like, I hope everyone. And I was thinking, did I? But if I'm honest with myself and because I'm strategic, if I think back to all of my college essays or scholarship essays, I wrote about a person because most of the time they ask you to write about a role model or a mentor. And what I always chose to do was figure out a black woman. Even if I, they weren't in close proximity to me, the person I was going to write a about was absolutely gonna be a black woman. <clears throat> and so I, my answer is I had women in very specific sectors, right? Like there was a woman who was a judge, Tanya, and I was on a law path in high school. And she, of course we were, of course we were. <laughs> um, she was a great mentor, right? She came to my final, like um, my mock, trial and she gave me really good feedback she gave me the presentation for indiana black achievers you know all that good stuff hmm. was she a constant influence in my life no but she was somebody who i knew had positional power that i wanted right and that there were qualities about her that she saw me enough to to cultivate so i had that in in spaces but honestly you know when i think about when duana talks about you know me going making sure that she got to howard i had aunts and women in my community who never made me feel silent who always gave space for me to be exactly who I was. As weird as a little girl as I may have been, as bossy of a little girl as I may have been, as awkward as a preteen I may have been, and then as confused as a teenager as I was, there was always somebody around me, a black woman, who, who gave me just the right space that I needed to be myself. And I think that was more of the mentorship that I felt. And the other stuff was like, they gave me a path that I could see how to navigate, but the way of being came from those other women. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. Uh, because as I'm thinking, like, I can't say that I had a, an Erica or Nicole that I could name right now until I got to like college. Um, and so that's not to say that there were no black women in those spaces as I was coming up. Um, again, my mother, my aunt, um, various people like that in certain places in my life. The, I, I always say when I was in about 10th grade here, there was a Delta who came to tutor us after school and she just, by virtue of being around and being so cool and wearing her jacket, I was like, I'm gonna be a Delta when I'm her age. Can't tell you her name or what she did or where she is, but I've always had Black women in my life like that. So I think also what you failed to mention is that we are also... Um, the oldest and the only girls in our family, which may come into how the reason we probably spent more time with our mothers and aunts. And, and just by virtue of the way black girls are socialized, we picked up on that and, and fed it out as opposed to being able to pinpoint one specific mentor. So honestly, the reason we probably do this work this way is because that oldest and only thing. 
You better drop the mic. I appreciate that you bring who we are back into this conversation because did I tell you I had that realization in Detroit too? That I had that moment, it was like, so I was the only girl over here as well. Mm -hmm. um, for those of you who have not heard me say this, like I did not recognize that I was the only girl. Now I have a very large family. There are other girls, but I'm talking about the family that is constantly around, right? Like my brothers, my cousins, for my family, that means nuclear. <laughs> um, for black I, was people, girl. I was the only girl. And I didn't recognize that that was very true also on my other side of the family until I was in Detroit, y'all, like two weeks ago. And that plays a big role in how we are socialized. I spent time in the kitchen with my grandmothers. You know, I would love when my auntie would let me go for a ride with her on Saturdays and she was going to visit her girlfriends. Like there was a different type of craving for that feminine energy because who we are around were boys so much. Um, and I also think because then we were the only, it was easy to pick you up and bring you with us, or it's easy for you to sit in the corner and be ignored, right? When it's just one of you versus a handful. True, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, and you know, now that I'm thinking about that, I was the only girl, like when I would go to Big Mama's house <laughs> to be with my cousins, I was the only girl, but I was the youngest. So that dynamic was different than being at my mom's house where I was the only child and then I was the oldest child, you know? Um, not that it, I mean, it didn't make a huge difference because I was still running things at the youngest because I'm so good at being the oldest. <laughs> so like it, it definitely, I, I would have never thought about <laughs> what you said. It definitely is easiest to pick up just one and be like, come on, you going. And you boys might as well stay together. <laughs> yeah. I'm big oh, I know that I got away and I'm saying got away with meaning I asked the question somebody said yes mm -hmm. right. <laughs> I got away with a lot more because it was just me mm -hmm. if it was me and you know a Nicole or me and like a Jasmine because those are all 80s babies name like then or Ashley, <laughs> Ashley you know, seriously that was coming out um the answer would have been no Right. Well, no, it's too much. But if it's just one girl child who wants to do a thing, heck yeah, it's a it's a lot easier. So yeah, even as much as we love them, we can get any of them to agree to come on the podcast and talk to y'all because apparently we're not actually cool like we think. And that's so crazy though. The difference between being twenty five or fifteen year olds and being thirty five or fifteen year olds, it's like I feel the same. Like you said, I'm the same adults. But they don't, they don't fool with us. If Miss Duana said you want to be on my podcast, they'd have been like, yes. Do you think they really would have said yes? Because I'm, no, I'm, we did it. We did it. We did it. We said, hey, Duana, you want to be on our podcast? Right. But, this said, is, but this is 25 year, year old Duana. The, ten, the age difference matters. We moved up together. No, but if, if we were 25 and we asked Duana to be on a podcast, do you think she would have said no? I think she would have gave us reasons why while she was saying, I'll do it. But can you, like, she would have done it. I was gonna say she would talk, try to talk herself out of it, but she would have done it. Oh, she would be on this Zoom with us like she was today, you know. The like, what? You, yes, we did move up, but Dewana was. She's been with us, you know, this whole ten year stretch. So, right. if Miss Dewana said, "Hey, y'all want to be on my podcast?" after being with them for three and a half weeks or whatever, they would have been like, "Hell yeah!" because it was all on her TikTok. I saw those videos. They were great. <laughs>
So instead of speculating, I think we should just ask. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find out from the teenagers why they don't want to be on a podcast. Okay, I'll be right back. Let's do it. I was able to poll the audience here, um, and we have joining us Trinity. Say hi to the people, Trinity. Hi, y'all. Um, Trinity is my little cousin. She is also enrolled in our summer program because that's uh, how we do things. That is exactly how we do things. So Trinity, today we invited the class, the entire group of participants to join us on our podcast and nobody, nobody volunteered. Why? Give us the real reason. The listeners want to hear. So you, you know, use your real words. Um, probably because they don't want to waste so what is waste your time on a podcast is because y'all don't listen to podcasts or you don't you need to speak up so people can hear you girl um probably like because like we already have work and then like going from work to home to sit on a podcast and listen to people talk it's probably not something you Sounds know. like what she's saying is y'all are not cool enough for us to sit on your podcast. Well, this doesn't feel like enjoyable entertainment for you. This feels like work. No. I, I you go ahead. Go ahead. I don't like depending on the subject. Depending on if it's interesting. Okay, so we're not interested. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, that's, that is interesting, though, because when she said we have work to do, you know, and it is work that we gave them. So for us to then turn around and be like, y'all want to be on this podcast? Maybe that's why it feels like more work, because it's still us. Uh, oh, is that it? Most like Good day. Good day. Yes. Thank you. So when we say, when we think it's fun, they're like, but it's still y'all forcing us to do some of work. And y'all not cool enough for us to do this. We need to position it differently next time. Because I was really excited to talk to them. Nobody. 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 We just make them. Like I said, we should just record every, <laughs> every conversation. Okay. So there you have it. They don't think we're cool, but they did interview both of us for their projects. So you can check that out on our YouTube channel right now um, <laughs> because of the time and all of that. I don't know what they're called yet, <laughs> but they're there. I promise by the time you listen to this, <laughs> the interviews will be up. I promise. Um, also, they're screening. They're screen so the the final project for the program is short documentary film. So they're making seven to ten minute videos on media bias, sexism, police brutality, and the Black woman's experience. And we are having their screening next week. So stay tuned on our social media for details on how you can join us to support the girls um, for their final presentations. Uh, I do want to give a big, big, huge thanks to Miss Joanna for joining us and thank all y'all for coming back another week. Make sure you leave a review and a rating wherever you're listening right now. As always, you can find us at Workplay Build on all the things and on workplaybuild.org. So here's a challenge. Um, won't you write a letter or an affirmation or just give a quick shout out to your younger self? 
again, when we think about how we can break down some of the barriers between ourselves and connecting with this next generation, maybe the best place to start is with yourself. So what was some of the words of advice or information or permissions or affirmation that you wish you would have had at 15 or 16. And maybe you should write those out, journal it, and use that as inspiration to give back, um, inspire, encourage um, someone of the next generation. And if you have no outlet, you can always go to workplaybuild.org backslash support and donate to Women of Color Collaborative. She's Nicole, and I'm Erica, and this is Cool, Calm, Collaborative.